How can you not be romantic about baseball? Bringing a high drive to left. This baby's way back. It is out of here. I don't believe what I just saw. Coswell slashes one foul. Oh, that hit a bird, and it bounces back into fair territory. Oh, I got to I got to check the rule book on this one, folks. I'm too drunk taste this chicken. Our ass is in the jackpot now. You're listening to Booze and Baseball. There's 50 feet of crap. And then there's us. A baseball first podcast. Sort of. Featuring Derek Johnson. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And Dusty Baker. I heard that. Dynamite drop-in money. That broadcast school has really paid off. So sit back and enjoy the talk around the diamonds with a cold one in hand. Today's secret ingredient is... I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch has got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. Hello and welcome in to another edition of Booze and Baseball, episode number 47 for you here on this edition with Dusty Baker, Derek Johnson, and we have baseball right around the corner, so it's exciting. Uh, what are you drinking on today, which this releasing on March 24th, 1990, the day that Starling Castro was born and the uh, importance there, I mean, Starling Castro still you know, major league level player. Um, but when he first came up, he was a big time prospect. And he had, you know, some good early years. I think I actually had him in fantasy early on. I loved Starling Castro, but he kind of faded off uh, maybe faster than we would have thought. So um, are there any young players right now that you view and say, well, they've started well, but they might be, you know, fading a little bit fast. And what are you drinking? Yeah, uh, cheers to uh, the baseball season actually coming right around the corner, as you mentioned. I am drinking some whiskey right now. It's uh, from the same Rotten Hammers, but a different uh, bourbon, actually, that uh, I had previously from last week. And so um, pretty, actually, there's a, there's a spice to it. It's, it's peppery, as you would probably refer to it as. Um, and I see on the other end that you have a, uh, it looks like a wine bottle over there. That is correct. Um, so shout out to Paul and Kat for hooking me up with this baby. It is called Cass. It is a red wine. Um, it's a estate crown, it says on the bottom. So cracking this baby open. I've had a couple bottles of wine here that have been needed to try. So what better place to do it than booze and baseball? That is a great winery, by the way. Cass Winery in Paso Robles. Um, I've been there a couple times. And uh, yeah, we have uh, some friends of the podcast that uh, actually work at that winery and uh, that is what what type of wine is that by the way what uh, what's the it's a uh, man see I, so I like red wine to be clear I like it more than white wine but I am uh-huh. terrible with like that it Domus Noir um, more Verde something like that I don't know I'm probably completely butchering this if somebody's in the wine listening to this they're probably like you idiot my brother and my dad are gonna kill you for the way that <laughs> yeah. you it. so, uh... but it's delicious it is delicious yeah, it, it, Cast Wine has uh, a lot of great wine out there. But yeah, um, Derek, to go off your Starling Castro side of things, uh, this one made me laugh. Uh, whenever we write down the rundown, we kind of have a rough idea of what we're going to do going to the show. And so I saw uh, basically exactly that the stat was his birthday. And I'm just dying because Starling Castro was maybe Derek's all-time favorite initial prospect. I remember him calling him his child. At one point, um, when Derek was, he was like, when we were playing fantasy baseball, we had maybe just started bringing a lot. Like we were mostly doing yearly, and then eventually we we transitioned to dynasty when we were younger. And he was one of like the first big name prospects to come up, and I, I had him. He was my guy. Yeah, I remember you absolutely being completely enthralled by Starling Castro. Remember, he was a part of the Chicago Cubs and just had a a wild initial run. Uh, to give a comp, I guess, uh, to modern-day players right now, you know, one that kind of comes to mind, maybe like Glaber Torres. Um, Glaber Torres had just such an electric start to the league. And then out of nowhere, he goes from hitting 38 home runs to barely even able to slug over 400. So uh, kind of confusing what's happened with Glaber. Believe it or not, Glaber's still, I mean, not even entering his prime yet. Uh, so – who, who knows what's going to happen? I actually own a share of him in our current fantasy dynasty league because 
I still believe in a guy that can hit 38 home runs. There's no way that that just goes away completely. I, I feel like the COVID year had something to do with that. Um, the pressure of New York has something to do that for sure. Um, and I almost am rooting that the Yankees trade him away at some point because if that happens, maybe the impact will be better for him moving forward. Yeah, so I, I kind of agree with you. Like, that was a name that popped up. Now, Glaber has more power, so I don't, I don't think it's like a direct comparison. But in terms of what I asked, like, this was what uh, Starling Castro did when he was 21 years old. Honestly, like, you know, I'm, I'm huge on Wander Franco. I, I think he's going to be a star. He'll be like a top five player in the MLB and everything. But if I told you that, you know, Wander Franco at his 21-age season had 207 hits, uh, 10 home runs, 66 RBIs, 22 steals, hit 307 with 341 on base. Wow. You'd be like, oh, yeah, he's destined for stardom, and wow, that's awesome. That was what Starling Castro did, but he just um, kind of fell off a little bit for whatever reason. But anyway, as, as much as I'd love to lament uh, talking about Starling Castro <laughs> for the next, like, 45 minutes, um, let's get on to some of this. Now, we have to do a quick review of, of free agent picks from what we did on our last episode. I owe one drink and a shot. You owe one drink. We both owe um, another drink for just being bad at this in general. Um, so we'll go ahead and take the, the drinks. I'll get a shot ready next time you talk. But uh, Remember, we just had – I mean, we picked 10 players. And so to go over that, uh, for those that may have listened or may not have listened real quickly, we had four options. Uh, we had a – actually, each of us had two. So we had a, like a one in four chance technically of basically nailing one of these guys. Um or at least that that's what the odds felt like there. It's four and 30 technically, but um, Carlos Correa, we got wrong. Uh, we got Trevor story wrong. We got Chris Bryant completely wrong. Say Suzuki wrong. Nelson Cruz wrong. Carlos Rodon wrong. And Kenley Jansen wrong. What we got correct. Uh, I picked Freddie Freeman uh, to go to the Dodgers. I had Nick Castellanos as my shot. I did not expect him to actually sign with the Phillies. I thought that that was just a good fit and it turned out to be a great fit for him. He goes five years, a hundred million dollars. And then Derek, with his drink, he picked Clayton Kershaw to return to the Dodgers. So, quite frankly, um, we did not do very well, Derek. So, I, I, I'm going to take my drink right now as well because, uh, honestly, I'm really disappointed in ourselves. That, that was a pathetic performance. Yeah, so I just took my two drinks. I will take my shot. I'm going to, you know, they say don't mix your alcohols, but too bad. Um, this is some okay. Iowa whiskey. I think I had this on the show earlier just to sip, but this time I'm taking a shot. So, I'll just take a pull of this. To confirm right now, Derek did, in fact, take the shot. So he's going to be a little more buzzed as we go into this uh, this segment right here. But, yeah, we uh, we absolutely did not see what happened. in free Carlos game. Rodon's winning MVP. No, um. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, what we are going to do, though, we're going to do several editions of Sip, Chug, Dump. So you, I'm going to give you three players, all players who signed into new destinations. Um. You can take this however you want. You can take this from the team perspective. You can take it from the player perspective. You can take it from the fantasy perspective, however you want. Chugging is the one that, you know, you want to be really attached to. You're going to be drinking a lot of it. Sipping is the one that, you know, I'll, I'll have a little try of that, but I'm not totally attached to drinking only that beer. And dump is the one you don't really want a part of. The first one are three of the biggest names that signed over the past week or two. Freddie Freeman, as you mentioned, six years, $162 million with the Dodgers. Trevor Story, 6-140 with Boston. And Carlos Correa, three for 105 with Minnesota. Who you sipping, who you chugging, who you dumping? Yeah, uh, this is the only real world one that I'll just quickly say I'm chugging Freddie Freeman because of the bias in me as a Dodgers fan. That is so cool to have a guy like Freddie Freeman. But in terms of fantasy perspective, I'm, I'm going to sip Freddie Freeman here. Uh, I think that the lineup doesn't change too much for him in terms of what he's going to produce. Uh, you can kind of expect this guy's going to hit around 300 and drive in 100 RBIs. Pr pretty certain that he's going to be in that same category regardless of who's around him. Uh, but, yeah, the Dodgers lineup gets better somehow, losing Corey Seager and gaining Freddie Freeman. So I sip Freddie Freeman since the bar is already really high. I'm going to chug Trevor Story. Uh, I actually own Trevor Story in our Dynasty League, and I was not very excited about his overall situation um, leaving Coors Field. But going to Fenway Park, he's actually hit fairly well at Fenway. Um, he's hit the ball over the, the Green Monster already before. Um, and that lineup, depth-wise, I mean, he's going to end up hitting in that five hole, so he's going to have a lot of RBI opportunities. He's probably going to see better pitches than what he saw in Coors Field. 
Um, and let's be honest, outside of the Blue Jays in that division, it's not like there's many great pitchers uh, outside of Garrett Cole with the Yankees. So I think that he's going to absolutely feast on most AL East pitching. Uh, well, the Rays have good pitching across the board. But I, I feel like with the Orioles situation, most of the Yankees pitching, and then you have the back end of the Rays rotation, I feel like he's going to feast off on a lot of that. And so obviously seeing better pitches, I love that situation. And I'm going to actually dump Carlos Correa. You know, I, I haven't been a fantasy believer in Carlos Correa like many other people. Um, I think he has more real world, real life fantasy value than fantasy value. And going to the Twins, I don't see – that being unbelievable value. Okay, I am going to uh, chug Freddie Freeman. I think from the Dodgers' perspective of things, I think from the Freddie Freeman side of things, you're going to have even more runs batted in, even though, I mean, Braves still had a good lineup, so he still had a lot of good chances. But I think maybe it's a few extras, maybe it's a few extra runs. It just makes it that much better. Um, that is such a good play for him. And, yeah, uh, Dodgers are obviously a, a chug as well. I am going to sip Carlos Correa. Um, I really would chug the contract that the Twins gave him, three for 105. I would much rather give him three 105 than give Trevor Story six for 140. Um, I like the short-term aspect of it. I think Carlos Correa is going to be really good. I think he's going to be good for that team. They're going to be calling up some young players, whether it's Trevor Larnock or Alex Kirilov or Jose Miranda. And I think he'll be able to kind of keep them under his wing. Um, Trevor Story, I'm just uh, getting him out of Colorado. I don't love it. His, his OPS for his career away from home compared to Coors is, is way different. Um, I don't love that. I think uh, I'm really not in on Trevor Story. I'm really not in on having to pay him that many years down the road if I'm the Red Sox. Now, as far as his one-year fantasy value, yeah, I mean, it's probably fine being in Boston, but it's still not as good as it was in Coors Field. So I would uh, dump out Trevor Story. The next one we have, Sip, Chug, Dump, Nick Castellanos, five for 100 with Philadelphia. Kyle Schwarber, also with Philadelphia. He gets four just shy of 80. And Chris Bryant signs with the Rockies, seven for 182. This is a really difficult one because I wish I could say I could chug every single one of them. I, I love the situation for all three of them, to be completely honest. But I, I think a lot of people don't realize how good the pitching is in the National League East. It's better than people realize. The pitching on the Marlins is unbelievable. And then how about the top two in New York? I mean, honestly, even the whole rotation in New York is phenomenal. There's a lot of really good righties in that division. Um, when you look at that. And so uh, when you go to the Atlanta Braves, of course, they got Max Fried, the lefty, and then there's a, a string of righties that are really good there as well. With that being said, I feel like you have to kind of give a lefty hitter an edge to a degree. Normally, you know, with Kyle Schwarber, in terms of his fantasy value, I'm not usually a buyer on him. But based off of what the division is and based off the curriculum here, I'm going to actually sip Kyle Schwarber. I'm going to chug Chris Bryant because Chris Bryant Coors is going to be ridiculous. I, I don't even know what to expect with that other than I feel like he's going to hit 35, 40 home runs. Uh, he's got the pop to do that. He's not that far removed from an MVP, let's be honest. The average is still going to hover around the same, about 265, 270. Uh, but the power numbers are going to go up. Um, so that's kind of where I sit right now. And I guess I'm going to have to – somehow dump Castellanos, but the opportunity for Castellanos is great there too. I mean, the lineup is great. So this is really tough because yeah, I'm going to dump Castellanos. He probably has the least benefit in terms of uh, gain from Cincinnati to Philadelphia, but let's be honest. If Castellanos is on your team, you're still going to absolutely love it. But in terms of value shooting up, Kyle Schwarber and Chris Bryant's value shot up significantly for me. Yeah, I, I think I'm in, I don't know. I, I actually might um, chug Kyle Schwarber. In fact, I am. So Kyle Schwarber played 113 games last year. In those 113 games, he hit 32 home runs. Mashed. Mashed. Yes. Now, uh, you know, Boston can be great for a left-handed hitter with Pesky's pole over there and, and kind of the short porch over to there. I don't think the Nationals have, like, a great, you know, hitting environment for that. Um, the Phillies, I think, is very much a hitter's ballpark. So beyond just the environment, which I think will help him, I also think really I would have been chugging Kyle Schwarber no matter where he would have signed to a certain standpoint. 
because of the fact that he has had some injury problems. Like I said, he only played 113 games last year. Um, I think he only has one season in his career where he has over 140 games played. Now that there is a DH, because he's, he's not a great fielder, you can keep him out of the field and keep him healthier over the course of the season. I think Kyle Schwarber could hit 40 home runs. I, I think that, you know, if, if you were looking at betting odds of, like, who's going to have the home run title in the National League, I don't know what Kyle Schwarber's going as. I'm not saying he should be the favorite, but I would be very interested in taking a flyer on that. So I'm going to chug Kyle Schwarber. I will sip um, Chris Bryant because of the move to Colorado. That should very much help. Probably going to get a couple more home runs, a couple more doubles. Um, who knows? Maybe you'll get a couple more steals because you're on a bad team and they don't really care if, if you run or not. Um, I also, though, think that there are certain like underlying numbers on Chris Bryant that says that maybe he's not someone who is going to last for the long haul. Like, I, I think by the back end of this contract, he's, he's not going to be doing much. A very big strikeout rate and, and stuff like that. So um, I think he'll be fine for the near term. But once the athleticism starts to go, I don't know how that'll affect that. So, but I'll sip it for now. And then, yeah, I'm, I'm going to dump um, Nick Castellanos. Now, like you said, all of these you could make an argument for chugging but I, the issue for me is Castellanos again really different home and road splits for what he did in Cincinnati's great American ballpark versus not now it does help he's in Philadelphia which is also as I said a, a hitter's ballpark but I don't think it's as big of a hitter's ballpark as the Reds so I will uh, dump Nick Castellanos the next one Jorge Soler three for 36 with Miami Anthony Rizzo got a two-year deal with the Yankees, and Seiya Suzuki a five-year, $85 million deal with Chicago. Yeah, uh, you know what? I will sip Anthony Rizzo, and honestly, that, that says a lot because I have been completely out on Anthony Rizzo. But a full season in New York and the move to move Luke Voigt, that is what did it for me. If Luke Voigt was still on that roster, I'd be dumping Rizzo immediately. But because they clearly open a path for him to be the starter every single day, to have that short fortune right field, I'm going to sip on that. I think his numbers will improve being in New York, and that lineup is going to obviously be better for him. Uh, Chug-wise, I mean, I got, I got to chug Saya. You know, I, and maybe it's that unknown that I really enjoy, too, is we have no clue truly what those numbers are going to look like. Um, but if there's any indication, recent – study and obviously recent situations would indicate that he's going to have some kind of success uh, in the MLB and Chicago's a pretty good place to hit. So, you know what? I, I'm going to chug say it just because I like the unknown aspect moving forward. And I don't, Derek loves that because in our keeper league, he has say uh, uh, he used his first round pick in our expansion kind of draft to, to get that. But the one I'm going to dump is Jorge Soler. That is not a hitter friendly ballpark, not a great lineup as well to hit around. Uh, yeah, he's going to have starting time in Miami, but you know, I, I just, I, it's a decent fit long-term, I guess, in real life, but home run power is what Sol, uh, Solaire offers. Right. And so to be in a ballpark where quite frankly, the ball doesn't fly that well, um, and also not being surrounded by many great hitters. I just think that his numbers aren't going to be that great. Honestly, if I was going to give a realistic line for him, it would probably be around 245, 250 average, and it'll hit 30 home runs. I mean, you can expect 27 to 30 home runs, but uh, the RBIs will be around 80. Um, that's just to me, between the three of them, I, I, I got to probably drop that one out and pour that out. I'm 100% agreeing with you with Soler dumping him. Not a good hitter's park. Doesn't have lineup protection around him. He also, let's not forget, I mean, he got hot with the Braves, but he was somebody that – the Royals, when they traded him, it was like, wait, we even got anything for him? I thought we were going to have to DFA him or something. Um, so there's a chance that he just reverts to that. I will sip Seiya Suzuki. I do like the fact that with the Cubs, they're not a very good team right now. They're not, I don't think, terrible. They're kind of looking like they're going to be like one of those like 75-win teams or something that they're interesting enough and they'll make trades at the trade deadline, but they're not like really going for it and waiting for that next wave of players like Brennan Davis and so forth to come up. Um, he should get playing time out of that, which is obviously going to be important. Um, but I also don't love the fact that there isn't a ton of lineup protection. And, um, you know, you just never know how somebody's going to transition playing in the MLB anyway. I'm going to uh, chug Anthony Rizzo. It's not just that he's with the Yankees in that porch. Also, if, if it's a keeper league, you know, for next year, once shifts get banned, I think he'll be a big uh, – 
positive boost player from that. So I will uh, chug Anthony Rizzo and really like the fit there with the Yankees. The next one, Kenley Jansen got a one-year deal for $16 million with the Atlanta Braves. Eddie Rosario also re-signing with the Atlanta Braves. Two for 18, and Andrew McCutcheon is going to Milwaukee. Yeah, um, I will sip on Eddie Rosario. I mean, the way that he hit in the postseason was pretty impressive. Um, we'll see what happens with Atlanta moving forward in terms of moves they make at the deadline. And uh, it's hard to exactly project what Rosario is going to do because he was just on fire in the postseason. Um, but he's been a pretty fantasy-efficient player uh, when he was with Minnesota. Then he fell off once he got moved to Cleveland, uh, and it almost felt like he was irrelevant. But then he brought it back once he went to Atlanta. Um, you know, he gets the stop. I, I mean, if you look at it, if he leads off, or he, which he probably won't once Acuna comes back. But even just being in the depth of that lineup, he'll still get pretty good pitches to see. You know, I, I'm, I'm sipping the situation, I think, more mm -hmm. than anything else. So I, I like Rosario. He's not somebody I'm going to splurge on, per se. But I, I like this comparison of three. You have one pitcher and obviously two hitters in this situation. I, I'm going to chug Kenley Jansen. Um, you know, they have Will Smith that was their closer. You assume that he's going to go to the setup role now. And the bullpen for Atlanta is ridiculous. It's probably – hands down the best in the league the only reason why I say probably is because the White Sox is really good too um but when you look at it one or two it doesn't matter I Jansen's gonna get 35 40 saves in that situation uh and the best part about Atlanta landing right you know in that midst is that there's gonna be a lot of close games right Atlanta has a great lineup but also the pitching in that division is pretty dang good. So probably a lot of one, two, three run games against New York, uh, one, two, three run games against Miami. Uh, you don't expect him necessarily to get saves against the nationals per se, or um, you know, the Phillies, it's going to be a lot of high scoring games could still end up being one, two, three run games. So I think Jansen's going to have a lot of opportunities there. And then the one that I'm straight up pouring out here is Andrew McCutcheon. I, you know, Milwaukee's a great place to hit, but, McCutcheon, I feel like at this point it's weird because obviously in his prime he was hitting for average, maybe not so much power, but he was stealing bases. It's almost like he's changed completely, done a 180 where he has power and he doesn't really offer you any of those other categories. So, yeah, I like the location of Milwaukee, but uh, he might actually hit 32, 33 home runs, something like that. And don't be surprised when he does but does he hit over 250? I, I don't know. That's not a very strong lineup. And, um, you know, he's coming from a Philly team that I think had a much better lineup than what you're going to see in Milwaukee. I'm going to marry Kenley Jansen. Love the opportunities for saves. Yes, it, I guess it could be maybe not a sure thing that he's the closer with all those other good relievers, but I don't think you pay a guy $16 million if he's not coming in to be your closer. So I'll marry him. Um, I'm going to actually, <laughs> I said Mary, a chug. Uh, anyway, I'm going to chug I know what him. game you're playing right now. <laughs> I know, the right? The starting um, to step up for you. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to uh, sip Andrew McCutcheon. And here's why. I, I kind of view everything you said with McCutcheon and the batting average, not really knowing what you're getting there. I kind of view the same with Eddie Rosario. Like Rosario does have a higher floor with the average, but I think both guys can be a little volatile with the average. McCutcheon was still in the 97th percentile last year in walk rate. He was 94th percentile in chase rate. So he does those things well. He was still 76th percentile in max exit velocity, so you can hit it hard. And this is the one that I found really interesting. He was 89th percentile last year in sprint speed. You would think that he's, you know, as a, I think, 35-year-old now, like that would be waning and maybe it is a little bit from where it was, but he clearly still is a good athlete. I think uh, Milwaukee will be good for him. I think Rosario is going to be more of a rotational outfielder. I think McCutcheon will be more of an everyday guy because I think the Braves have more depth in the outfield than the Brewers, who you said it's, it's not a great lineup. I think he's going to have to play more often. So I'm going to go ahead and sip Andrew McCutcheon, and then I'm going to dump Eddie Rosario. Okay, uh, Nelson Cruz got a one-year deal with Washington, which was kind of a surprise because it almost seemed like they were going to be kind of tanking. Clayton Kershaw, a one-year deal with the Dodgers. Carlos Rodon technically got a two-year deal, but it's a one-year deal with a one-year opt-out after that. Uh, sip, chug, dump. Yeah, let me just start by saying the dump, and I'm shocked I'm saying this because I did not expect to ever be saying this about Nelson Cruz, but 
I, I got to dump Nelson Cruz. Uh, if you look at his power numbers last year, he slugged under 500, and that's kind of my money line for slugging is 500 or over. That's that's what I'm looking for in fantasy purposes. Um, and a lot of that is because of the shift to Tampa Bay. He's going to a worse lineup, in my opinion. He's got Juan Soto, who's going to walk almost every at-bat that he's out there in Washington. Juan Soto literally is going to walk away this season with 400 at-bats because he's going to walk like 170, 180 times. And so Nelson Cruz is going to step up and probably not see many better pitches than what uh, Soto sees. And Soto and Cruz are two completely different hitters at this point. You know, Cruz is uh, 41, 42 years old at this point. Uh, You know, eventually that bat's going to slow down. I I felt like if Cruz went to a place where the lineup was deep, I'm chugging him probably. Um, Because it couldn't have gotten much worse than Tampa. Well, somehow it did. Um, I have to dump him out. I'm going to sip Clayton Kershaw. Uh, I'm expecting him to get at the maximum 160 innings pitched. I I just don't see much more than that. And the concern that I have with owning Kershaw in fantasy purposes is if the Dodgers have a big enough lead in the league, which I, I don't know, or in the division, I should say. I don't know if that's going to be the case, but you're adding another postseason spot, right? And so it's going to be very interesting to see down the stretch how the Dodgers and Giants handle things because, in my opinion, I think the Dodgers will have a lead in the division. However, the Giants are still going to be as difficult as they were last year. So does winning the division matter as much now because of the extra players, the playoff spot? I I don't know. And um, if the Dodgers, say, have a 5-4-3 game lead over the Giants – and it's September, are they going to probably have Kershaw pitch once a week? Maybe. Um, so it may hurt his fantasy value a little bit. Carlos Rodon, on the other hand, I'm going to absolutely chug this one. He's pitching in a pitcher's park. You know, outside of having to face the Dodgers, um, he's not going to have to face Tatis for the first three months of the season. And outside of the runs going to Coors Field, he's not going to have much issue with the Rockies at home. And he's going to have absolutely no issue with the Diamondbacks whatsoever. This is a better situation, I think, for him. Despite going from what was I would consider to be the weakest division in baseball, he's with a better team in terms of from a pitching perspective. I, I like his fantasy value. So uh, I think that Rodon, as long as he stays healthy, I'm chugging that situation. I honestly want to not chug any of these because the injury risk with Rodon and Kershaw and, like you said, Cruz kind of fading. I could still see Cruz finding something, but it's got to fall off eventually. So I think I'm going to kind of 100% agree with you there. Okay, uh, Michael Pineda to the Tigers, Drew Smiley to the Cubs, Zach Greinke to the Royals, all one-year deals for these pitchers. If I'm not mistaken in our keeper league, uh, none of these guys are owned, if I'm not mistaken. Um, If I had to own somebody out of the group of these right here, I mean, I'm going to have to probably sip the situation – of Drew Smiley to the Cubs just because he's probably going to get the best opportunity there and the hitting in the NL Central is atrocious. So I'll I'll take a flyer on him. I'm not feeling great about that. And honestly, I don't really want to own that guy anyways. Uh, If I have to chug anybody, it's going to be Zach Greinke to the Royals. And honestly, this is all nostalgia based. There's nothing more than that except for nostalgia. The fact that Greinke's back to the Royals is pretty cool. He might be more comfortable there. His K per nine is still going to be terrible. It's going to be at like 6.5. But he might get some wins because that division's not really that great offensively. So I I like that situation. Michael Pineda may not even start the season with the Tigers uh, because of a visa issue. Um, He's been very consistently inconsistent on the hill in the past. He was already in this division with the Twins. I just, you know, I didn't even want to own him when he was on the Twins. So he's going to a team that – is going to have to face that Twins offense that's improved now. Um, I I don't feel good at all about Pineda to the Tigers. So I don't know if you saw Zach Greinke started his first spring training game for the Royals, and some fan came up to him and asked him for an autograph. This is just like a long line of the amazing Zach Greinke stories. I love that guy. And (laughs) Zach said he would, but only if he could take the fan's picture. So he just pulled out his phone and took the guy's picture and and like put it on – Social media. So <laughs> I know he has social anxiety, okay, and that's a real situation. But the way that he channels it is so interesting because, like, he is actually so funny and it feels like he's not awkward per se. Like, he, he has the same humor as Nathan for you, right? <laughs> our, our, our friend Nathan Fielder is like Zach Grinky baseball edition, 
Okay, Th- those two, I would love to see a TV show of the two of them together because I feel like they would just cause absolute madness. And that that's the definition of Zach Grinky right there. I, I am a huge Grinky fan. Hey, three innings, one run, but it was unearned in his spring training debut. Well, what's more important, the results aren't because spring training is just, you know, crapshoot. But he threw five pitches in the game. He commanded it all over. He had different velocities between 66 miles per hour and 90 and a half miles per hour. I think he's still going to be okay. Um, I will, yeah, I will chug Zach Granke. I'm going to actually sip Michael Pineda. Uh, the only thing I'm going to do with Drew Smiley is there will probably be a couple times this year where he lines up against, you mentioned the NL Central teams that stink. He'll play the Pittsburgh Pirates a couple times, and he'll be a great streaming option for, you know, maybe you can get like five innings and, and a win out of him. And six I, I see what you did there, and I like it. I, I, I totally agree, because that's absolutely the only way you'll ever see Drew Smiley on my roster. Okay, next one. These are all traded players. We've seen some good players be traded. Matt Olson traded to the Braves. Jesse Winker traded to the Mariners and Josh Donaldson traded to the Yankees. Yeah, I I'm first of all, I'll sip on Jesse Winker. The numbers may actually drop off a little bit, um, but I still love the hitter and I love the ADP because for whatever reason, people are drafting him around on Yahoo purposes around 88 to 90. And I think that's way, way late for Jesse Winker. I'm thinking more around the 50 to 60 ranges where I draft him. And I think the move to Seattle is going to actually hurt his ADP even more, which just makes me want to pick him even more because I I think the lineup around him is going to be very solid by the end of the year. Yeah. It's not a ballpark where the ball flies. Uh, You're going to probably see the power numbers drop off a little bit, but Jesse Winker went unconscious last season. So it doesn't matter in terms of the location for me. I still think he's going to hit around 280 to 290. He'll hit probably 27 to 30 home runs and he'll drive in 90 RBIs is my guess. And that's good enough for me to sip on because I kind of feel like he's got a pretty safe floor and ceiling, if you will. The one I'm going to chug at this point in time is Matt Olson because, holy cow, going from Oakland, a terrible lineup, hitting 39 home runs to a lineup with the Atlanta Braves that features Ronald Acuna Jr. when he's healthy, Ozzy Albies when he's healthy. Then you have Austin Riley hitting behind him. My gosh, this guy could hit 50 home runs. Um, I, I could see him hit 50 bombs. I could see him drive in over 110 RBIs. I mean, the, the big question with Olsen is always going to be the average. We never know where that's going to be because he's just a couple seasons removed from hitting near the Mendoza line. Uh, but last year hitting 271, uh, I mean, you know that he can hit in that range. My guess, honestly, I, I, this is a huge – probably more of a bold take than anything else. But I think Matt Olson's going to end the season as a top 10 hitter in the league. And I think that the home run total, you were talking about Kyle Schwarber, how he could be in the running for that. I think Schwarber will be in the running, but I think the guy that's going to have the home run crown is Matt Olson because the situation's so much better for him, better ballpark to hit in. I'm absolutely chugging that situation. I think it's going to be amazing for him. The one I'm dumping out is Josh Donaldson. Uh, and honestly, a lot of that is age uh, more than anything else. We've already seen him pass his prime. I think he's still going to be a fantasy productive player, but if you're going to have me compare him to Matt Olson and Jesse Winker, it's just no contest for me at that point. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to chug Matt Olson. Like you said, he is a phenomenal hitter. He should do really good there. Um, I'm going to sip Josh Donaldson. And, and if we wanted to make this a situation of, you know, based on where you were to where you're going – I would honestly chug Josh Donaldson because I think Matt Olson was a good hitter. He'll still be a good hitter. I don't view it as something completely different for him. With Donaldson, I do view it as a very big upgrade for him. Um, his like when you look at um, his projected numbers, they are very very good. He's projected if, based on which projection system you use, somewhere between twenty five to thirty home runs, somewhere between seventy five and eighty five RBIs somewhere between 245, 250 with uh, about a 350 to 360 on base percentage and a slugging percentage around 480. That is a fantastic season. He's going to miss some games, but even though while he has missed some games in the past, he still played like 135 last year. So he still was very good. And now that you're in New York, I think he's going to put up even better numbers. I think um, the reason that I'm picking him over Jesse Winker, who I am going to dump out, 
I'm a little bit worried with how they're going to use him because Jesse Winger's a fantastic hitter. He also is very platooned to – now, the good news is there's more right-handed pitchers than left-handed pitchers. Um, and I'm trying to just go through off the top of my head like some of the pitchers in his division. You know, Justin Verlander is a righty. Uh, Lance McCullers is a light righty. Um, Jose Urquidy is a righty. Um, if you go to the A's, I don't know if Frankie Montas will even be on the team by the time, you know, the season starts, but he's a right-handed pitcher. But there are some lefties in there as well, right? Like Framber Valdez, Sean Manaya, so forth. So um, I don't know how they're going to use them. If, if they're planning on using him – as an everyday outfielder, which they might, because it's not like they have, you know, the greatest outfield in the world right now. Like their first outfielder off the bench is either Dylan Moore, Moore or Taylor Trammell. And again, like looking at these splits, if you want the specific numbers on them um, for Jesse Winker, he is, or last year, I should say, he had a 170 OPS against righties. He had a 572 OPS against lefties. So I am a little worried about that. If they play him too much against lefties, that it's going to bring some of those averages down. So that's why I'm going to um, dump out Jesse Winker, even though I do love the player. Okay, uh, this next one. A couple other trades. Matt Chapman was traded to the Blue Jays. Luke Voigt was traded to the Padres. Sonny Gray was traded to the Twins. Yeah, I'm going to probably, between this, it's, it's tough because we're starting to get to the nitty-gritty here. Um, Luke Voigt, I'm going to dump out. Uh, I think that it's nice that he's going to have probably his own spot at the DH. Uh, he might play some first base, depending on what happens with Eric Hosmer, who has the worst contract in all baseball, in my opinion. Um, so we're that's somebody to kind of watch. But even then, he's not hitting in a hitter's ballpark like what he did in New York. Uh, two years removed from that just insane season, of course, in 2020, where he had 22 home runs in the shortened 60 games. I think the potential is still there, but he's 31 years old. He's past the prime in that situation. And not having Tatis Jr. for the first three months, that's the perfect amount of time to get into a rut, and there's not a lot of protection there. I think his situation's just not as great. The ball doesn't fly that well in San Diego. I'm going to dump that one out. Uh, I'm going to sip on Sonny Gray. I think that the lineups in the AL Central are not great, and he may have more success there than he did in the NL Central, and he pitched in a hitter's ballpark. So going to a place where the ball does not fly as well, I think that's going to help favor him. The Twins have this weird kind of momentum that they're actually showing they may compete. Uh, obviously, their big challenge is going to be the White Sox. So uh, outside of facing the White Sox, though, I mean, the Royals still are going to be relatively light at hitting. And then you go through the rest of the division, the Tigers still got to figure it out pretty young. Uh, hard to say exactly what's going to happen there. And then the Guardians lineup outside of Jose Ramirez is completely weak. So I think Gray is going to have some improvement there. Um, still a pretty decent, consistent pitcher. Uh, when you look at it. And then finally, I'm going to chug Matt Chapman to the Blue Jays. Same exact situation, same explanation as what I had for Matt Olson. Just a better situation, better lineup, better location. He's going to have a lot more RBI opportunities. I expect him to have a significant rise fantasy-wise. So this is a good one because I'm, I'm very different than you on this one. I'll start out with my chug. I'm going to chug Sonny Gray to the Twins. I, I thought that Sonny Gray was was better than he could have been last year. He's playing in a really difficult pitcher's park or hitter's park, I should say. Um, his walk rate was about in line with his career averages. His BABIP was right at his career average. His left on base percentage was right in line with his career averages. You look at his expected ERA, it was 3.25. His actual ERA was 4.19. And the big reason why, he had, gave up 1.26 home runs per nine innings. For his career, he's at 0.9. Well, guess what? You were at a big hitter's ballpark, and that's just going to happen when you're playing for the Cincinnati Reds. It's going to help him that he goes to Minnesota. I think Sonny Gray could have a really good season uh, with the Twins, and they kind of need him to because he's the uh, ace of that pitching staff right now. Um, I'm going to actually sip Luke Voigt, even though, yes, that is concerning that without Tatis, I don't know how productive the lineup's going to be. I mean, he's going to be like their three or four hitter probably. So he's going to get a lot of at-bats. He walks a lot. He's a good on-base guy. Um, I still think that the Padres lineup is good enough that it won't be like a train wreck even with Tatis out. And then I'm going to dump Matt Chapman. I just I think the wheels have kind of fallen off. He had over a 30% K rate last year. He hit 210 for the season. I just don't know how much is left in the tank. I almost view him as like a infielder version of 
gosh, I don't know, like Kevin Kiermeyer, where it's just like, hey, the defense is phenomenal, but I don't know how much we're getting from the bat there. So I'm, I'm kind of out on Matt Chapman at this point. Okay, uh, last one. Chris Bassett got traded to the Mets. Gary Sanchez um, got traded to the Twins. And Amir Garrett got traded to the Royals. This is probably the hardest one for me, mm-hmm. to be honest. Um, I think looking at it, I'm going to have to dump Gary Sanchez. Uh, I'm going to dump the combo of Gary Sanchez and Gio Urshela to the Twins. Uh, the ball does not fly well in Minnesota. Um, there is a chance that Gary Sanchez defense alone costs him a, a chance to be the full-time catcher. Um, and then being the DH, I mean, you saw his numbers already dwindle a little bit. He's got power numbers, but does he really offer you much more than that? I just, I don't believe in Gary Sanchez. I've been pretty completely out on him, uh, for the last couple of years. So I'm going to dump him out. I think for what I'm going to sip, it's going to be Amir Garrett to the Royals and, He had a pretty rough season last year. His ERA was over six. But if you look at his previous two seasons, he had a 3-2-1 ERA in 2019, had a 2-4-5 in 2020. He's going to a much lighter hitting division. And also the Royals' bullpen is kind of questionable. I mean, you have Barlow and you also have Stalmont that could be the closer. But if either or both of them fought, uh, I mean, at this time, I guess, they, they don't show out accordingly to what, you know, the Royals are hoping for the next guy in line is going to be Garrett to be getting saves there. So he's going to get a setup situation. If you're in a holds league, you may keep your eye on this guy because he has shown signs of life. He's only going to his age 30 season. So there's still plenty of life left in his arm. Um, so I'll sit Garrett situation because new change of scenery, probably necessary. And uh, the Royals are kind of a trendy team of up and coming. So I, I like what's going on over there. I'll chug the situation. Uh, that Chris Bassett's going into with the Mets. It's going to be a team that wins more games. Um, He is going to have to face probably tougher lineups in the sense that he'll have to face the Braves, and that's not going to be fun. But the lineup for the Marlins is not very strong. Uh, If you look at the comps, I mean, he had to face the Astros, and he still was able to bring out a 3-1-5 ERA last year. So uh, the Angels lineup he doesn't have to face anymore that deals with Trout and also Otani. Um, but he'll have to face Juan Soto, and that's about it in the Nationals lineup. Uh, the Phillies lineup's going to be the issue because he's a righty, and you have that Schwarber combo. You have Bryce Harper. He might have some issues there uh, in addition to what the Braves lineup offers. But I, I like the situation overall with Bassett. I'm going to chug it. He's going to get a lot of wins, I think. Yeah, I, if this is a holds league, I'm going to do more with Amir Garrett. He's really the only good like lefty reliever on the Royals. But if it's a saves only, then I would probably dump him because then I don't, I don't know how much the value is. Um, if it is and I dump him there, then I, I guess I'll, I'll sip Chris Bassett. I think that he was very much protected in the A's ballpark. Now, there's a case to be made that, I don't know, maybe he can maximize his best pitch more with the Mets and, and maybe that makes him an even better pitcher. I do think the ERA falls off at least a little bit, but they are a good team. So you're probably looking at a good amount of wins and a, and a solid pitcher there at the very least. I would be tempted to chug Gary Sanchez because I wonder if – I mean, the Twins have shown like they're fine with, with the Eddie Rosario types or the Max Kepler types where you know maybe it's not the best on-base percentage. But if you're hitting a bunch of bombs, like, we'll keep you in the lineup. And I wonder if Gary Sanchez can kind of secure, even though the defense is bad, like who knows, maybe they just use him as a DH in those situations or, or something like that um, to where I think maybe a change of scenery could be the best thing for him and maybe gets him back to where he was when he first came up. Okay, our uh, shotgun six-pack. Finishing things out here. First one, should the MLB just have ties instead of extra innings? No. That's all I have to say. No, absolutely not. So I thought about this for a little, because obviously the, the thing that people debate is the runner on second base or not. And, um, you know, if we're having this big debate, why not just call it a tie? We wouldn't even have to worry about extra innings. You wouldn't have to worry about – pitchers going deeper, the strategy would change because then it would be like, you know, I don't need to worry about saving all these relievers for the rest of the game and being worried what happens, this or that. It would make it more entertaining because we would have more switches and pinch hitters and stuff throughout the early part of the game. And it would make that eighth and ninth inning so much fun because it'd be hectic. It'd be like, we have to go all out. Like if you're in the bottom of the ninth with two outs, you know, you might be thinking, uh, you know, whatever. If we go to extra innings, we go to extra innings. Now you might try to steal them when maybe you would have to begin with, but you might not. I actually am okay with this in the regular season. I'm not. I'm a baseball purist. No ties. No ties. 
the Orioles, Pirates, Guardians, A's, Marlins, and Diamondbacks combine for just a $12 million payroll larger than the Dodgers. Thoughts? Jock Peterson tweeted exactly what my thoughts are. Um, new signing for the San Francisco Giants and a very vocal man and a very correct man because he basically said that it's embarrassing if your organization doesn't sign key players. I'm sorry, but, you know, if you want your fans to be invested, you better have at least a couple players where they want to go to the shop and order the jersey with their last name on it, right? And outside of Jose Ramirez, who the – I mean, the Guardians honestly got lucky with – there's not a key name on any of these teams. You know, the Pirates are going to probably end up getting lucky here. O'Neill Cruz looks like he's going to be a stud in the future. But even then, I mean, who are they actually getting their fan base excited about? There, there's nobody. So I'm sorry, but get your fan base excited. You have to have some piece to build. You know, people are giving the Rockies a lot of uh, a hard time here. And I, I agree why, because they got rid of Arenado and Story. But, you know, signing Chris Bryan, at least they're giving their fans somebody to root for, right? these organizations just doing nothing. And, and let's be honest. I mean, the Guardians and the Marlins have pieces to help them compete. You know, the Marlins rotation's as good as it gets in the league. And if they actually spend money on a guy like, I don't know, Corey Seager or Carlos Correa, you know, you're talking about them slipping into that, you know, extra playoff spot that we got. And, you know, then it's – you saw what the Braves did last year. You get in the playoffs and – it's a completely different game. So I don't know. It's just disappointing. And, you know, I, I will support teams that spend money and, you know, the Dodgers, the Mets, the Giants, the Yankees, the Angels do it. I, you know, good for them. Like get your fan base excited. And, you know, for the teams that don't spend money, stop crying poor because your owners paid enough to own your team. They should, they, they bought this team knowing they're supposed to make money. Yeah. Like, I, I just don't understand it. Um, I get it. Like maybe not every team can spend what the Mets and Giants and Dodgers and Red Sox get up in the 250 range, but there's no excuse why these teams can't spend 100 million, 150, something like that. Like you said, with the Marlins, $67 million payroll, like, you know how much better their team would be with that great pitching staff if they said, hey, why don't we bring this up to 120? And we would have gone out and added Kyle Schwarber and Eddie Rosario and, like you said, like Carlos Correa or something. Uh, there's just the, – like you said, the Guardians one is despicable. You have Jose Ramirez, you have Shane Bieber, you have had so many good players when you had Francisco Lindor and so forth come through. And you're, you have a $37 million payroll. It's – it's disgusting. That that's the one thing I wish would have came out of the CBA that we would have had a salary floor to kind of raise this up because I totally that, agree. I totally I cannot I would retweet that right now. Salary floor should have been something that was made in order to have the CBA go through. Okay, number 2, the Yankees letter about their potential cheating a few years ago is going to be unsealed. The letter being unsealed will be blank. Exciting. <laughs> I mean, honestly, who doesn't love drama when it's not involving our two teams? So, uh, you know, the East Coast squad that is uh, full of Yankees fans, be ready. Who knows what next thing that we have that is uh, goes along with the steroid era. You know, you, you have obviously recently the whole spider tax situation. Uh, whatever happens here with the unsealing of the letter, it's just going to be our next dramatic situation that goes down and probably baseball lore you're the Astros cheating scandal I mean it's probably going to be grouped with that too so I, I it's exciting because I you know it's like watching The Bachelor I just live to watch the world burn I will say it will be justice for the Astros because not that not like justice in terms of the Astros did nothing wrong but in terms of the Astros were really the only one to suffer consequences um the Red Sox really didn't. I know Alex Cora was suspended, but from like the public perception thing, like everybody boos the Astros and the players who are involved in that when they see them. That doesn't really happen with the Red Sox right now. I think with the Yankees, this would be more top of mind. And because they tried to hide it, if it comes out that they were cheating, I think that will very much be a, you know, kind of vindication for them um, of like, look, they were doing it too. Uh, Bobby Witt will be a top blank player in the MLB at his very peak? Top two. Um, I'm absolutely buying Bobby Witt Jr. Uh, I would sell the farm for him uh, to basically buy the farm. He, he is a special talent. 
Uh, his swing is super compact, pure. He's got unbelievable pop, speed. For a fantasy perspective, I mean, my gosh, this kid could go – He, it, I don't think it's crazy to say he could go 35, 40 home runs and steal 35, 40 bases. I, I really don't. I, I think he's going to be basically what we saw with Mike Trout when he came up. Did you see that video of comparing his swing to Mike Trout's? And it it's looked pretty exactly. close. It, it's pretty close. The Trout has a bit of a leg kick, and Witt is more, I, I would say, smooth in the sense of he doesn't really kick his leg. He just kind of uh, goes through the zone a little bit quicker, maybe. But both of them keep their arms inside. They, they stay inside the ball really well. Trout loads up a little bit more than Witt does, and I also think that Trout probably will have uh, when you look at him from their prime, Trout has more power than Bobby Witt Jr. But speed-wise, pretty equivalent. They look like a very scary, similar player. I'll be more conservative. I'll say top 10. But even then, that's like pretty incredible to put that on a guy who hasn't even given a uh, official MLB at bat yet. If you could add one feature to MLB TV, it would be what? Stop the blackouts. <laughs> I'm tired of the blackouts. I want to be able to watch my team wherever I am. And it's driving me nuts that I could be, you know, three hours away from the city where my team is playing and get blacked out for it. So, yeah, end the blackouts. I would, because that's a good one, but I don't want to take the same one. I've said this for a while now. I think that they need to do a thing where you can plug in like players you want to watch. So it could be you plug in your fantasy lineup that day. It could be just, you know, these are your three favorite players, whatever like you want. fantasy zone in football, yeah. Exactly. But it automatically has some software where it knows, hey, you have this guy in fantasy. He's about to come up to bat. We're going to automatically switch it to that game for you. Or if two of the guys are up to bat at the same time, we'll split screen it, right? Or if your pitcher's going, we'll have that on in the corner. I think that would be so cool. And – you know, it, fantasy baseball is such a huge, like, world of the baseball community to where if you steered into that very much like the NFL has steered into fantasy football with the Red Zone channel and whatnot, I think that would be really cool. Now, there is that new channel on MLB TV. I forget what it's called, Big Inning, I want to say. And that's really cool. I love watching that. But I think this would kind of take it to the next level. Uh, okay, you can only have one for the rest of your baseball game life. Hot dogs or beer? Go. Uh, I mean, gosh, this is, it's gotta be beer because we're on booze and baseball. So I, I mean, you know what? Hot dogs apparently take like six months off your life or something. There's some weird statistic of every hot dog you eat takes off like another month or two off your life. So I'm dead, you know, Dodger dogs, they've gotten rid of the Dodger dog situation now. So I'm kind of out on those and I mean, beer will reign forever. So I will go with hot dogs, so we're going to change the name of this to Hot Dogs and Baseball. Yeah, well, then we're going to die by the end of Season 3, so hmm. get right. and Baseball. There we go. Rots and Baseball. I like that. <laughs> All right, he is Dusty Baker. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Booze and Baseball. You can give us a follow on Twitter at Booze and Baseball. Subscribe. Give us a five-star review where, wherever you find your podcast. Uh, thank you. Have a good one. We'll talk to you next time.